were you even offered to instruct during the week of the competition? And I thought the nerve, the gall, the balls on this young man to say, I will teach you how to beat me, you motherfuckers, to make this a more entertaining TV product. Where did that come from? <laughs> and, and how was the reaction like in the room when you offered to do that? Um, honestly, most of the competitors didn't come. I thought it was pretty strange. Like most of like the, when I was telling you, there was like two halves of the board, like the, the, the lower half of the board, they showed up, but the people who actually had better shots at beating me or stalling me out, like didn't show up. <laughs> and I was like, I'm literally teaching you how to beat me. What is up, ladies and gents? It is your friendly neighborhood BJJ podcaster, Rafa Sparza, coming to you with another great installment of the Grappling Hour. I hope that you're doing well. Let's give you a little preview of who the guest is. All right, back to, well, you know what? The, the guest is putting a, a leg up in a very slutty uh, way, so we're going <laughs> to we're gonna give him time to try and make it less obscene. I'm, I was afraid the camera was going to go a little bit lower. Don't need that. But while he's getting himself more appropriate, I'll tell you guys a few things. First and foremost, if you like this show, it would be great if you go on over to hide up page backslash grappling hour and become a member of our show. What do you get with membership? Well, for five bucks, you see these interviews 30 days before anybody else. And for a few extra dollars, you see tape studies with athletes on matches and fights. Uh, ranging from like the LFA, UFC, Bellator, and every major grappling organization. Plus, you get to see tape studies with yours truly. You can also see athletes roast my competition footage in a segment called Roast Draft that I think is pretty funny. And you can even see mini-sodes that aren't available anywhere else. So, it would mean the world. Hide up page, backslash grappling hour. Also, you can like, comment, and subscribe on this video. And if you don't know what you want to comment on just yet... By the end of this video, I'll give you a prompt on something to talk about, likely from our guest, who will have something to say, I'm sure, in the amount of time we are talking today. And last thing before we get to him, if you guys would like to continue the conversations that we have on here, we have a Discord, and you're more than welcome to join that to continue the dialogue that we have here on the show. All right, let's get to our guest. Hmm. You know, it's so weird. Blah, blah, blah. Our guest won PGF season five. Two time. You know, at one point, I do have to bring this up to him because they did give him a moniker that I'm not sure that even he sits well with. But I know I was definitely like, wait, what? That's how they're referring to him. And again, no offense to him. Our guest is great. But what I'm trying to get to here is this. He's kind of a heel on TV, but a sweetheart behind the scenes. So it's always jarring when you see this guy acting up and everybody being like, oh, that's just our jabroni grappler. Look at him. He's cutting it up for the TV. But oh, man, he's a sweetheart. So I think the secret's out. I think people know that one, Elijah Carlton is a sweetheart of a human being, but can play the heel. And that is who we have back on the show today. So welcome your PGF season five winner, one, Elijah Carlton. How are you doing, sir? <laughs> 
Good, man. How are you? That's uh, that's fucking hysterical, honestly. <laughs> it's just, you know what it is? You have this great mischievous smile when you're on TV <laughs> that makes it feel like, oh, this son of a bitch is up to something and I don't know what it is. And then it's so funny because years ago when I didn't really know you, I was like, well, okay, people play that shit up. And you were 100% courteous, professional when we interviewed the last time. Ever since then, I've just been like, yeah, he's a pretty good guy, but he really does play it up. I think now they're starting to play more into the like, nah, he's a really cool dude. So where is this disconnect happening? What, what, what are you intending to do here, sir? Man, I don't know. Like, I just kind of just like BMAC kind of named me the bad guy like years ago. And I just kind of like rolled with it. Cause and I think he just named me the bad guy because I was just like, I was just dogging people. Like I was just finishing people and calling out like where I was going to finish them with and how fast it was going to be. I was just dogging people and he like called me the bad guy and I was like, okay, I'll run with that. And then it's kind of turned like more into this like degenerate thing. Like jabroni is like me and my friends just kind of use the word jabroni like in place of degenerate. Mm. And uh, it just kind of, it just kind of fit my, my buddy started calling me jabroni. And I just kind of like slung that out there. And now it's this thing that like, ah, I, I really am like, I really am the jabroni of the grappling because like what it, what it originally meant is like tomato can, you know, you know like the rock made it famous, like uh, the tomato can or the jabroni is like supposed to be the person who's like getting fed to people and isn't supposed to win the match. And I feel like that directly relates to me because I'm, <laughs> I don't work nearly as hard as most of these people out here that I'm grappling. I'm just good. Like I just like most people who haven't grappled me before, like get got quick. Like I've got like good off balances and just like good entries into shit that I finish really quickly, you know? And it's just, it's, it's fun to play this character of like, I shouldn't beat you, but I might beat you, you know, like I might come out here and beat you. Like, you can't count me out. Like, I feel like anybody on any given day can get subbed on me, like, in the right scenario, you know? I'm just glad that you have a great way of describing it because it takes a certain amount of self-confidence to give yourself the name, the Jabroni Grappler. Because when I first read that, you know, your first read as a host is always like, well, I hope this young man has some self-esteem. I don't think he's a Jabroni. And then all of a sudden you meet you and you're like, no, he's got definite confidence. We're good on that part. It's just, now I understand the philosophy behind it. Um, if yeah. I were you, I would look to continue expanding that, even though I'm not sure if The Rock ever trademarked it. Let's look into that. I don't know if he did, but I don't think it matters either way. I guess they'll have to come sue me. I don't think I'll ever get big enough for The Rock to want to come sue me. I don't think I'll make enough money for him. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know if you know this, but The Rock is, um, as an entrepreneur, I think he definitely loves money. And if he doesn't love money, the WWE 100% will sue you for the drop of a hat. They'll be like, did you make 20 cents? 10 cents on that 20, please. So I don't know. We need. We Honestly, I need to look into that. I don't know if he ever like trademarked it because he kind of took it from somebody else didn't he i think there was some other people that were using it in wwe he definitely made it uh very famous I, a buddy of mine actually gave me the book of his writer and uh they kind of talked about how the rock was coming up with all these different pitch uh catchphrases and all this sort of stuff so it's very interesting to see from the writer side because as a writer myself 
you know, I give lines to other people. And so nothing makes me happier than when I have done lines for grapplers and heard them say it to somebody else. And you would never know the difference that that came from yours truly. But I love seeing how they make it their own. And I go, oh, that actually landed. And if it didn't land, I'm usually pretty pissed. But uh, yeah, so it's very fascinating to see all that happening. But I guess going back to this, I, I mentioned something and I previewed this and I said they referred to you in a certain way that I didn't know that even you would feel comfortable with. I don't know that I would feel comfortable being branded this way. But I think it's either TJ or somebody that TJ was reading from a forum or that the group of people were saying this, that you were the hoist Gracie of the PGF. Now, (laughs) I'd like to get your response to that because I'm not even the hoist Gracie of hosts and I'm up there at least, (laughs) but how would you feel if you are being called that and you knew about it at the time? I mean, it's pretty cool, honestly. Like, Hoist Gracie's the man, you know? Like, uh, he definitely, like, revolutionized, like, uh, people just, like, being interested in jiu-jitsu, you know, in general. But um, I'd say it's a pretty good... Um, I mean, I say it fits pretty well. Like, I've, I'm definitely the Hoist Gracie of the PGF, and, like... <laughs> And they've been tell- they've been calling me that for a couple for a couple seasons now for a few seasons really but like now it's like now there's more attention on it you know and yeah. like now I really am like the hoist Gracie of the PGF like it didn't really mean much a couple years ago when they were saying it because PGF wasn't big that big and there wasn't that much interest in it but now I don't know if you even know what's like going on and I don't even know how much I can talk about it really I don't think you can but say like, too much so we're gonna shut up about yeah. the big stuff the big stuff is much, coming yes. But, uh, there's big stuff coming with the PGF for sure, you know? Um, and I'm just, I'm just honestly just fucking stoked that I'm like the face of it at the moment, you know, like, uh, I've put it like, I've, I've done more seasons than anybody. I have 50 matches in the PGF. I think I'm 45, uh, I think I'm 45 or 43 wins, two losses and five draws, I think. So, yeah. Yeah. It's like I make the show every season. The only season I wasn't in was season four, and uh, it just it, I, it just wasn't it. You know, like I don't know if you saw any of season four, but there was no there was no jabroni there. There was no heel. There was no bad guy there to like make it make it interesting. You know, I get that. Um, well, I'm glad that you own that. It's just. I always feel that if somebody calls you the blank of blank, your first thought is always, at least if you're me, I'm not even that guy. Like, I'm just, I am the person I am. But thank you for the compliment. It's just what what they're always trying to say is they're trying to come up with some kind of moniker for that. So when they referred to you as the Hoist Gracie of that, my initial thought was, yeah, he was there. Yeah, he was first and he won. I think I'll take that compliment over like saying like I was like the the Babe Ruth of jujitsu. You know what I'm saying? Like just like making some other kind of comparison right there. Like sure, sure. It I'll, just, I'll take the voice, Gracie. It definitely takes me a minute whenever I think about it uh, because I go, we just I think we need more references because last I checked, <laughs> the voice, Gracie didn't have crazy hair and start flicking <laughs> off the camera on their way through. I was like, I think he's just a different entity into its own but here's what i will tell you i am i'm it, the jabroni grappler man it is I wildly my own entity 
uh, you know, this is how you can tell that I have mad love for the PGF is that even when you're on a high wire of like, yeah, there's some big stuff going on. Normally, if it was any other organization, my mouth would be shut and I'd be like, tell us, tell us whatever you're going to tell us. Womp, womp. Don't care if I get it. When I heard you go, yeah, I don't know how much I was like, shut up, dude. Don't do any. Oh, no, 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 no. We don't. Mm -mm. They're friends. We want them yeah. to succeed. So, uh, yeah. yes, we can say very exciting things seem to be in the future for that organization. And I'm glad to hear this because <clears throat> if you're the franchise star, does it bode to say that you'll be in Vegas in March for season six? Um, man, I, uh, what do you think? <laughs> I think the answer is probably yes. Okay. We can leave it at that. Yeah. I'm just saying that the gentleman announced that they're coming to Vegas. Now here's what happened. The gentleman very nicely offered for me to come to Alabama for the season five. And I yeah. always tell them, I'm like, yo, guys, it depends on what shows I'm working on. Like I have a big kid job and I usually work on shows. Sometimes I'm free, sometimes I'm not. It just didn't work this time, but they hit me up because they go, hey, are you free on Saturday? We want you to do a fight companion. And I was like, oh, easy, done. I got you guys. So I caught up on all the matches, everything that was going on. I have plenty of questions about that. But in terms of watching it, one thing that was entertaining to me was I knew I could say anything about you and it would be fair game because I was like, oh, he's got a sense of humor. Like he knows what this is. So I had a blast watching your antics, but when you get from like, say, mm, coming in from a different competition to PGF time, is there a part of your brain that goes, I can actually indulge all the parts of being a heel that I can't do maybe at other tournaments as much. So do you start thinking of things that you're going to do going into that week? Or do you get a certain thing? Do you go into Daniel Day-Lewis character mode and you're just like, no, 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 this week I am. The Jerona Grappler, please only refer to me in my trailer as the Jerona Grappler. Man, I think this role fits me real well because it's not it's not a persona, it's just me. Um, but do do I think that my uh just like my willingness to like put put more emphasis in like showing my character, like it definitely sparks when I'm like when the PGF comes around because that's where my character really got built. You know, I really like I've evolved a lot over the years in my gra not and not only my grappling, but in just like my character and what I'm playing. And so, yeah, like when when this season got announced and like all the people that were in it got announced, like this was by far like had the most talent in it for sure. You know, there were some really good people in it this season. And uh, yeah, and that's just like I think it plays well into I think it's I'm the best in the world at that rule set, like getting mm -hmm. us in this getting us in this situation where we're together for a week and like in a room together, like everybody competing against each other every night. Like I'm, I'm good at playing my character. And even though people know I'm playing a character, like I get in people's heads for sure with my coaching, uh, just my antics. And that's definitely another aspect of the game. It's like, who can, who can stay together all week and take the shenanigans of the people who are going to be doing shenanigans and, uh, keep it together. Can you like stay uninjured? Can you put up the points on the board and can you like mentally keep it together? You know, I'd love to know this because there are so many things that are unique about the PGF, but one is that you actually have a draft and you're obviously going to come in pretty high on a draft, 
But is there ever a moment where you look at it, even from coming from the high spot that you are and you're like, we should, we should be paying me a little more. Like, do you get that sense? Because in most grappling situations, there is no draft. You just show up and you go, Hey, idiot, here's your money. And it's an yeah. envelope and it's usually 300 bucks to something to that effect here. At least there's a little pomp and circumstance where there's a little bit of whining and dining. So from that perspective, tell us a little bit about your draft experience and, Man, and what that feels like. I think it's going to change the direction of jujitsu. It's like we we're going to, we're going to start seeing teams more for sure. Like how exciting is it that like f- four teams were competing against each other to like, uh, maybe they didn't win money this year, like the team itself, but next year that's how they're, stru- they're structuring. It. I'm sure they've told, uh, I'm sure I can talk about this, but like they're going to have four teams and, I think the prize is going to be upwards towards a hundred thousand dollars per team, like not uh, not per, uh, just for the winning team. Yeah. So it's like, how much are you willing to spend on your team? You know, if I'm like a top draft pick, like I might get drafted for five grand. You know, like mm-hmm. how much is whatever team that came together? Like how much are they willing to spend on getting the people they want on their team to to get these points to basically gamble, I guess, with their team and see who can win. And that's just that's exciting as hell. It's everybody in the everybody in the in the whole tournament is going to end up getting paid good money. You know, it is legitimately something that makes me happy because it's it makes me incredibly happy when I got drafted for thirteen hundred dollars as the first draft pick. Like I just like I couldn't believe it. I was like, "What's happening?" I was like, <laughs> "This has never happened to me in my life." And like, even though that's not like a fuck ton of money, it's a step in the right direction. You know. I don't see anybody else giving you $1,300 just to exist. So that's yeah. why this is a, a completely different vibe into itself because, you know, I, I like that you mentioned it's not a lot of money, but it's like, well, if it's not a lot of money, why haven't other people done it? Like, yeah. you would think it would be something that somebody would have done at some point, but people try to keep their margins so low on creating shows that even sometimes they're like, ooh, paying for fighters Ooh, no um you guys just come for the honor of the piggy bank at the end so that's that's kind of what we're doing but when you see brandon and and that team come together to say nah let's give you that opportunity let's make you feel like you're at the nfl so they call you did it go the way you thought it was going to go because i don't know if there's whining or dining or like you kind of get a moment to chat with those different teams and be like present yourself to me because I'm thinking like that's where the sports manager comes in and Bob sugars their way into giving you what you want. Man, I wasn't sure what to expect. Honestly, honestly, I didn't even know who the Epic role guys were. I didn't know they had money. <laughs> like, and then they, they just like kept bidding more on me. Like scaff shout out to my boy scaff, man. He was like, I think he was driving the price up because he knew, because <laughs> he knew that the Epic role guys wanted to get me. Uh, I probably wouldn't have gone for as much money, but Scaff was like fucking, he was like driving the price up and they eventually paid $1,300 for me. And I was just, I didn't know what to think. I, like, I didn't know how it was going to go down. You know, I think each team was given $2,500, but then you were allowed to use your own money. So I was like, I mean, there's five people on each team. So that's 500 bucks a piece. Really? Mm-hmm. You know, I was thinking maybe I might get like seven or $800, um, but you know, got $1,300. It was the highest paying draft pick. 
Absolutely. And it does set up storylines going into the week, which we'll get to in a second. But I know that you shouted out Scaff. I want to say this. Even if he's driving it up, it is a good rule on record that if Scaff is actively going after somebody, it's usually yeah. a very smart investment. Like, Scaff is... I think very much built for this game as well. So anytime he could be that advisor I mean, Scaff, or that role. Scaff was going to pay $1,200 for me, you know? So he offered 1200 They offered 1300 He was like, he's like, man, I got to drop it right there. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I think we can laugh about it now because you ended up being well worth that price. It's just in terms of Scaff doing that, it is with reason. So we, we yeah. can definitely see the motivation behind it. And it kind of makes it exciting because it does become a, what do I do with my team? How do I make this work? And then you guys get the like experience because I feel this way whenever I watch the NFL. Whenever they do the NFL draft, they're like players at home. They have cameras on them and they're always like... <sighs> Their girlfriends right next to them, families all next to them. And I go, yeah. you know, this is like a taste of that. It was good to see that uh, because it just felt unique. The draft does go into storyline, though, in the next day, in that your first day in competition, there weren't very many points on the board. So what ends up happening is you got your Hoist Gracie with their back up against the wall. So what's happening in your head when the points aren't necessarily necessitating your number one spot at the moment? I uh, I got interviewed either that night or the day after before competition started. And they were like, they asked me the same thing. They're like, how do you feel being like uh, not being on the board or like not being in the top eight? Maybe I wasn't in the top eight or something. Oh, it only scored uh, four points, I think, or three points. I don't know. But uh and I said exactly what I'm going to say right now. It's just like, uh, it, it, it always like, it always plays out, you know, it's, um, some people are going to get harder matches on the first night and some people are going to get easier matches, but, uh, throughout the four days that we compete, um, we're all going to have the same amount of matches against most of the same people, you know, so it'll even out. And it did, um, I was even talking about how the name of the game is just immobilize me. Um, and that's definitely what Kevin and Kamoy were trying to do uh, on the first night. They didn't want to engage with me at all. Six minutes, but two, man. Six minutes is hard, especially when people don't want to grapple you. You need a lot more time with people who don't want to grapple. I get that. I just liked the fact, no disrespect to you, but I liked seeing the top dog not have the point leading. Oh, because for me, I, I thought it was great. It opens up the door of, well, now the pressure's on you to perform. It makes it more exciting to come back night two. And I think even though you're like, no, I always want to get finishes. I always want to do this. Uh, at the same point, it gave you the motivation to come back the next day and, and continue to put on a very good show. But for those first two days or so, seeing the element of other people having their shine, their moment too, made it this, this whole experience where, you know, it, I just put myself in their shoes where I'm like, Damn, if I was them, I'd be like, yo, is this going to happen for Rafa Sparza? Is Rafa Sparza going to outpoint Elijah, the number one draft pick? Fuck him. All right, let's go. So I think to myself, that's got to feel pretty fun for them as well to be on that ride. So 
I was, uh, it, you know, things work themselves out in a very, it definitely, very way. it definitely created a really good storyline, like mm. right, right off the bat, uh, off the first night. So let me ask lot, this. Yeah. Go. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, it just, you know, it, def- it definitely did. It put pressure on me that first night and it just, that builds to the storyline of like all the hype and stuff. There was a uh, hype on that, that, uh, Landon Torville kid. Um, it just, it just fed into the story really well. Okay. You alluded to this, but I do want to know a little bit more about it. So there is a place where you guys are all staying together. Are you in the PGF? Yes. Or are you guys so, so, housed differently? How does that work? Um, each team just had their own Airbnb. Okay. So if each but, team, I mean, we're around each other, uh, like, cause there was training during the day. Most people came to, and then just like tell the event lasted five hours every night, you know, so five hours of each day minimum, we're around each other and in our, like an auditorium, not like super huge, but there's not a lot of people in there. You know, it's just really just the competitors and the people working it and the coaches. Okay. So you guys kind of go back. I was wondering, especially going from day one to day two, but I guess, including from the draft to the experience, what does that feel like in terms of everybody? Because obviously there's a house element, but there's also, as much as we say this is a TV show, there is a reality that is happening in real time where people go, well, I guess I was the fourth draft pick. Cool. And that's not manufactured. That's a real thing that you have to live with. Then after day one, there's some results. And now some people feel like they're maybe on top of the world who maybe didn't feel that way the day before. So what's happening in terms of what you're seeing amongst the competitors from a realistic standpoint that maybe wasn't on the screen? Um, I think there was, I think there's, I mean, okay. So how do I break this down? So I think that this game is set up in a way that there's like, so obviously there's four teams, five people on each one. Uh, That's 20 people. I think there's about eight, nine or 10 of those people that are, actually in uh contention to like to win you know like those people are competing against each other to see who can score on the other eight people you know what i'm saying like either like the other eight or ten people you know like you have like you have ha- pretty much half of people are dunkables like people who are getting points scored on them and the other half aren't so it's like really like and i think even, even from the other half of people who are scoring points um there's probably there's this season there was two three maybe four of them that were relatively close in skill but I think everybody really knows I, on that side of the board of people who are scoring I think I think those people are, are smart enough to know who the top dog was which was me um, I think everybody knew that um, and I think everybody knew pretty much where where everybody else was too I think everybody pretty much knew how most of the matches were going to play out between each other um, there might have been a few. Uh, that didn't go the way most people expected, but there was a lot of controversy and just like, uh, sh- like shocking reveals of the other half of like the dunkables. You know, it's like there were some people on the dunkable side that might have been a little higher ranked and you thought would do a little better, but then ended up losing to some of the people who were like drafted last. You know, that were expected not to do good at all. Basically, what I'm saying is like one half of the board like was pretty predictable and the other half mm. wasn't. Copy. So I guess the reason why I'm asking this is because as this is going on 
and you're kind of watching these things progress, I did start to hear some chirping happening, and especially from night one to night two, and you can correct me if my memory is incorrect. It seemed like somebody was not able to come back on day two, and it kind of became its own storyline into itself. And I had to ask myself, because he seems like a wonderfully nice young man as well, and I thought, okay, yeah, that seems fair. If you're injured, you can go off. And there becomes a spa day element where people are talking about that. And I said, well, that's funny. That's good for TV. And I didn't mind it. And then I thought about it if I was in the competition myself. And I thought, well, what would I think if somebody got a rest day? With it? There are no rest days. There's no crying in baseball. There's no rest days in this. So I had to kind of duality that in my brain. So do you mind describing from your point of view what happens with the spa day rest day controversy that happened right then and there? Because you were vocal about it. I was vocal about it. And uh, like, and, and I was really playing into my character for sure on that one. Like I had, I had something I was given to like mold, mold into like this storyline. And I was like, I'll take it and I'll, I'll put some emphasis behind it. You know, like I don't really have like, I don't have any personal problems against Kevin uh there's some history with our team and him uh that I won't get into but um yeah I I uh and and aside from that I think that when someone rests when someone takes a day off and they put their alternate in um it's unfair to the people who have already faced that that it's unfair to the people um that have already faced them like me in that scenario like uh Travis one of the other top scorers and and one of and I think it was Nick Creighton, two possibly of the might be like C two and three right there. Honestly, like uh, when you break it down, but um, they got to face Kevin's alternate instead of facing Kevin. You know, and facing Kevin is way different than facing an alternate. You know, like they both they both put up points uh, on alternate on Kevin's alternate in place of him that I didn't get to put up because he just stalled me out and wouldn't grapple me, but they've, they got like some random blue or purple belt that they got, uh, they got to score points on. And that had then, and not what, not only was it unfair to me, but it was unfair to other people who were in the same scenario. It's like, I think if you say that you are injured and can't come in and can't come and can't compete, then you just, you, you're out, like you're out for the rest of the season. Or he, I didn't like he he sat out because I broke his ankle straight up. I mean, I broke his foot in a straight ankle. Lock. I was like, regardless of any of that, like if he sat out the next day and couldn't compete, I deserve three points for the break. These are I mean, listen, these are just fine arguments. And I, I think the world of the kid, I think he's a very nice kid. I don't know any of the history, so I'm could be completely wrong but it's very funny because i think both of you just from appearances alone it works perfectly because you are you we've already discussed that but he looks like a good looking normal regular ass dude that's like in his like all smiley in his promo photo and i go that dude's not coming in the Highlander dude is not going to be able to make it to the next day. I go, this is too easy. Like, yeah, of course, the clean cut dude is not going to be able to make it. And that is going to sneak back in. I go in his own way. He could be a heel character as well if he plays it that way, too. So 
I just thought to myself, I go, well, I guess this really comes down to the commissioner. And the commissioner's ruling was, eh, yeah, I mean, yeah, man, it's cool. It's whatever. I, I still did my thing. Um, even though it tried to get sabotaged a little bit, you know, Kevin tried to sabotage that. He know he did. Uh, but it's cool, dude. I, uh, I think it played out really well. And I think Kevin played it off really well too. I think he, the spot a shit was hysterical. <laughs> like that shit gave me that shit. I, it got a real kick out of me for sure. Um, and it's always, and it always makes me feel good. Like when people will like do the banter back with me, you know, there's some people that won't even like, they won't even acknowledge me doing any of the shit. So it's like, how do I even talk shit to you? I can't. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, listen, I think it worked out pretty nicely, but um, whenever I do watch these things happen live, because we're a new sport, all things considered in terms of mainstream, I don't think people are used to having this kind of eyeballs and, and pressure on them. So even though our society is a little bit more of getting used to being on air themselves and putting themselves on internet television, if you would, consistently, um, you don't know what it's like until there's actual stakes and pressure. So sometimes you could see people get a little bit crazier or not do well with it because it's an odd situation. But when I see somebody put together a promotional package where they play into the spa day element, I go, I think this works. I, I, I'm entertained by this. And you know what? Uh, I'm sure when the time comes and I interview that kid, uh, I will be roasting him accordingly uh, on air for it. And I think he knows that I would do that as well. So uh, I think it's only a matter of time before he and I get to talk about it and be like, hey, bro, what were you doing? Yeah. What were you thinking? Come on, man. <laughs> Come on. Uh, but I, I'm glad he's a good sport about it because I've already insulted him a couple times on uh, on DMs and he's been, a, man, a very, very good sport on it. So that always makes me very happy. What we'll go to now is day two. So day two, things are starting to turn around a little bit. Tell us your interpretation on what's happening on day two from your experience. Well, you know, like, um, well, just like, so, you know, I went and did that main character thing and it's like, I, uh, I play this character really well because it really is just me. Like, I'm not lying when I tell you, like, I don't train that much <laughs> and I don't train that hard. Like I do a lot of studying. Like I study a lot. I watch a lot of tape, um, but I'm just not putting in the work. A lot of these guys are. So my, my character fits well of being like, well, if I lose, I was supposed to lose. Um, and if I win, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, fuck you. You got beat by somebody you shouldn't have, you know? So it's like, and that, and that, like, when I can really get into that character, I feel like there's really never any pressure on me whatsoever. But it's a little harder to get into that into that mindset um, when I'm going against people that I should be. You know, like, I'm throwing myself out there competing with people I probably shouldn't be, and I'm beating them sometimes, you know? Um, but, like, and, like, the people that... Um, might have even had a chance to beat me in the PGF. You know, those matches don't, that doesn't put any pressure on me. Where the pressure was, was like, honestly, like the Landon Torville kid is like, mm -hmm. um, I can't let this kid like beat me or like even like not let me beat him. You know, that's where the pressure came in for me. So like after that first night and the hype was on him, like I came in thinking there wasn't going to be any pressure at all on me because it's just like, I was like, and, and honestly, I really was right. There, there truly wasn't when I think about it. But, like, I knew without a doubt whether I came in and 
lost the finale, lost the season, like didn't get the most points. Um, I was going to dunk on a lot of people and get plenty of highlights from my Instagram when I was going to play my character and uh, my stock was going to go up either way. But the pressure did start to hit, did hit me after that first night. I was like, okay, well, I can't, I can't let these motherfuckers outscore me. And I definitely can't let these motherfuckers not get subbed by me. You know, so I went in there and saw Landon Torville real quick. I don't know if that was night two. It might have been night three, but. All good. Uh, I appreciate that. And I'm glad that you qualify this in saying that you really don't do as much as everybody else. So I guess I have to ask the qualifying question now is how much are we talking here? Because I think you would upset me because I have training partners who give me a hard time, even though I'm the studious extra credit, I host a goddamn show about grappling, talking to people like you who I can get insight from, I'm at the gym constantly, and yet there are people who just show up and are regularly better than me. And it's infuriating, but I definitely know that that's the way it has to work for me. I have to do two times the effort of somebody else. So when you say you're not doing much, what does that entail? Like, what does a weekly training schedule look well, like to you? I think people forget that I've been training 15 years, you know, like mm. uh, 15 years is a long time to be training. And the first many, many years I trained, like it was very reckless and I just had no, no structure to what I was doing and just hurting my body. Like my body's fucked up. So I don't, I'm not getting 10 rounds twice a day. Like some of these kids are, you know, like there's people uh, at B team and new wave and our gym. They're like, training a lot, you know, really putting their bodies through it. And I've done that. Like I did that recklessly and now I choose not to. So it's like I train, I've been taking the last few weeks off. You know, I got my foot broke uh, a couple weeks ago at main character, but, um, I train five days a week. Sometimes I'll do two sessions. Most of the time it's one. And like, I'm kind of, I'm split in between like teaching and training. Cause like I teach, I teach uh, five classes a week and the other five times I'm training. I teach at a different gym though, down the road. Okay. I'm glad that you qualify that because to me, that's still a good amount of training. So it's not like you just show up three days a week. Sure. Like I'm still training. Like, don't get me wrong, but I'm just the least, I'm just the least qualified person in our gym. Realistically, like, like Ryan Aiken and Kevin Beering and all these guys, like they're like putting in really, really, really hard work all the time. And I personally just ha- haven't been, you know, I, I do other things. I, uh, I like to party and, and travel and just do shit. You know, I, uh, I'm a jabroni, I'm a degenerate. Listen, dude, if the party is the part you should be enjoying as well. Like, I don't know that yeah, people man, know. I like, I see, like, I feel like that's another edge I've had on people in competition all these years is that like, I'm always stepping up in competition. Like the last three years of my competition has been against nothing but world-class people. Like I'm replacing people last minute to face good people and like hopping in tournaments with really good people. And I'm betting people money out of my own pocket to come grapple me, you know? Um, I just, where, where, where are we going with that? What, what are we talking about? Well, what I was bringing up, I mean, I have a transition here in a second, but I, I wanted to bring this up in terms of you're making it exciting, but I wish I could go back to my younger self and be like, yo, dude, take it easy. Like, oh, dude, you're, you're okay. Yeah, that's where I was going. It's like, I've, I've been competing against so many good people for a long time. And like, I don't know. I'm just not, I'm not, 
I don't think I have to like put my body through that much strain to still get better. You know, I'm studying, I'm teaching. Um, I'm just not, I'm just not grinding like some of these guys are out here. Well, it's also mathematically dumb to grind that hard every day. There's different levels of which you should be uh, modulating it to. It should never just be like, <clears throat> don't get me wrong. I tell our guys on certain days, I'm like, hey, guys, this is a fucking terrible day. Like, you you have to get through it. But on yeah. other days, I'm like, no, we're not going to go as crazy hard. <clears throat> In fact, our gym owner, I tell our kids, I go, if I'm ever running late, I'll have to text him, like, say I'm coming from set to come teach. And I'll be like, hey, man, I'm going to be like five minutes late. He's like, don't worry, I got you. I'll walk in and they're doing burpees and shit. And I'm like, oh, that is definitely not my class. So <laughs> when I walk in, I feel like I'm rescuing these poor children from their drill sergeant and being like, no, no, time to talk technique. That burpee's bullshit. Do it in a different class. And uh, I always laugh to our gym owner. And I'm like, it has its place. It's just my job is science guy so here's what we're gonna go you guys can do whatever the fuck you want after and then next week it's gonna be a sorry guys science guy is gone uh he's been replaced by goon raf it's just gonna be all rounds and you're gonna get shark tank and fuck off so we all have different sides to us that i think are good to revolve around for sure man i uh i teach i don't force anybody to do anything like any live situationals um i break shit down and i teach just like i honestly i credit everything to Sean, you know, um, I feel like I've become quite a good instructor over the last years of knowing Sean. And this last year, like being down here full time with Sean has just been, God, I've just been soaking up as much as I can, but yeah, it's like, I don't, <coughs> I don't force people to get hard rounds or I just teach. I'm like, Hey, this is what we're studying. This is what we're doing. I wish I would have, like, I wish I could go tell my old self, like, this is the way you, I wish I would have met Sean Applegate a long time ago when I was young and like grew up under his like knowledge, like today, like I, like some of the kids that are coming up under him now, like it's just ridiculous. They started in this environment. This such a, such a safe, high, high level environment to be in. And it's like, I sort of know that my, like, I'm not, I'm not even close to my prime. Like I'm 28. Like I feel like 35, 36 is going to be the prime, but I'm behind when it comes to mm. some of these younger people that are grinding that hard. And I, I've kind of just came to this, like, can I continue to grind that hard? Yes, I can. Is that what hurt my body? For sure. Um, I just don't think there's going to be much of a different end result if I like continue to fuck my body up to do that, because I'm just so far behind from some of these kids, you know? What I would say is this though, the one thing that it affords you in this respect is it always feels annoying where you feel like you could have been somewhere years ago, but what you do have that maybe other people don't who've just been under Sean is a sense of perspective that gives you the appreciation for it. Because sometimes Absolutely. if that's all you ever know, you're just like, well, this is great. I wonder what it's like everywhere else. And you're like, you don't go anywhere else. This is where you need to be. I'm here <laughs> to tell you this. You're exactly where you need to be. Don't ever think about it. It's awesome because you can bring that yeah. perspective that it, it's some hard these, to tell people some of these kids coming up man they just they don't understand how lucky they have it and mm -hmm. like i am very appreciative that like i mean i didn't meet sean until like seven years ago probably and before that like i was i was just doing whatever i could to figure it out like i've traveled i made my name by just like 
last minute replacing people 10 hours away and just driving overnight to replace people. Like I've, I've put in my dues. Like if any, like, I know I'm just now kind of like getting a little bit popular, but <laughs> anybody who's been paying attention in the Southeast, like they know that like I've put in my dues like really hard. I've been all over the place. I've put my, I've, my own blood, sweat and tears and money into this shit. Um, I like relaxing and, uh, getting very like focused training in and studying, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's, it's a smarter version. It'll keep your body up longer, uh, doing it this way because that's the unfortunate part. I'm 70. Same dude. And the, the children already that I work with, they're always like by children. I mean, they're, I call them kids because they're I also like don't want to look back in life and be like, man, I spent all my time grappling and I didn't, I didn't have fun. I didn't do any partying. I didn't, I didn't travel. Like, <laughs> although I'm traveling through jujitsu, it's like a lot of those jujitsu trips are very serious. Like you're cutting weight and you can't drink, you know, it's like, I just don't want to, yeah, I just don't want to look back in life and be like, man, I wasted my young days being super, super, super like nitpicky about like my diet and yeah. getting those two training sessions in every day. And like, I want to do other shit. And I feel like, I think that's where I got lost earlier. What I was talking about is that I feel like I've done a really well in competition against those kind of people who obviously like end up being like the best on the planet, like, or the nitpicky, like that had, they're like, I have to, I have to eat this. I have to train this many times. I have to do this. Um, a lot of those people stress too much. And it's like, while those people were stressing, I wasn't stressing because I didn't have some crazy routine that I had to abide by. I was just doing my thing. Like, hell, I was going out and getting drunk the nights before most of my tournaments and just like relaxing my mind and not, not letting the thought of what's going to happen tomorrow tax me. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. And I would always tell people, I'm like, there's always quality of life too. Like For you'll sure. burn yourself out if you don't take those mental vacations or, or find those things that recharge you because at some point your body just stops working well and the better that you can figure out how to rest, recuperate and do drilling or, or at least at the very least tape studies. Like I'm a huge tape study person. So I'm watching stuff where dude, I'm at work and I'll have it on in the background just so that it's kind of seeping in. And yeah. I may not have it perfectly, but at least when I'm going in, I have like a functional goal that day to go like, all right, I got to go reback uh, and watch that. But I did like this one grip. So Today, it's all about this one grip I'm going to try and yeah. uh, try to make the most of that. And I find like that's an efficient use of my time. I go, fuck, you know, I could have been doing nothing, but I did make some of that work when it was not You could have been doing fucking doing. burpees and fuck running around the mat. <laughs> fuck that. And you know what's so funny is like uh, that's also the guy who's just as good, if not better than me, uh, by doing nothing. <clears throat> and then cut to a day like yesterday where we're training. And he's getting really pissed because I'm catching him a whole bunch. And I'm like, see, studying does work. And I'm like, fuck you, dude. And I'm like, and because I have it all on tape, I'm going to show you a highlight reel tomorrow if you really, really piss me <laughs> off, man. Uh, but no. <laughs> do you I video just, all your roles? You know, I do. But I do them because two reasons. Uh, at the end of every episode, the end credits are my roles. So I, I wanted something unique for the show. And what I feel that happens, and I'm sure this is something you probably see as well, for most other grappling talk shows, 
the host is kind of this nebulous person that is immersed in the culture, but not really involved in the culture. And I feel yeah. like the thing that makes me a little different is <clears throat> for as much of a smart ass as I am and the, as much as I roast you guys, I will train with you. But there's no disillusion of me being like, oh, I'm just as good as you guys. It's me being like, a lot of times, I'm going to get my ass kicked. It's just, I'm still funnier than you guys. So <laughs> you guys can fuck off. But as a result of that, if I do one in person, we like to have the end credits be the training session I had with that person. It's just, nice. I don't have an end credits with you where we're rolling together because obviously we're in different places. So I roll my regular day footage. And the where second- I'm in Los Angeles. You're in, you're in LA. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the second reason is um, I'm not per se, like, obviously I want to see the little technique stuff and I'm a big fan of like, oh, okay. Did that grip happen today? And if so, what's the trowel and error that happened from that? And I, I like getting those details because sometimes I feel my training partners teach me something else. A little hidden gem is as well. Sometimes I also see what my students are deficient on and I'll be like, oh, in the background, I wasn't paying attention to you, but your fucking guard escape sucks. All right, we got to work this. <laughs> um, so that's two. But the other little hidden gem is <clears throat> because I'm such a huge pro wrestling fan. Uh, none of my guys are afraid of getting armbarred, <laughs> but they're all deathly afraid of getting hit with a pro wrestling finisher. So like, yeah, all of them get put in Boston crabs at some point. All of them get like crippler cross faced. And I don't pick on civilians. I only pick on those who are pro wrestling fans or people who say I can't do it. And then it just becomes one of those things that I go, I mean, it happened. And uh, here's the footage of it. So uh, they definitely, they know a couple of them have been memed and I go, it's just too funny. So any little thing that I can meme that I think is really funny. Yesterday, I literally got uh John Cena's finisher, my buddy lifted me and kind of dumped me like off. <laughs> and <clears throat> I thought it was funny. So that's going to be memed because I'm just <laughs> as equal to be made fun of as well. But uh, I, I did I, uh, tell him. I heard you talking about the uh, the roast, the roast wrath little series. Yes, you got sir. Going? That's pretty, yes, that's sir. pretty funny, actually. You know what if it was? You get, if you could get some like world class guys to come in and just like ragdoll you, that would be hysterical, honestly. So the, the only reason why, oh, well, we have that segment. We have a different segment. <clears throat> so the roast draft is <clears throat> for this reason. I, in, in getting tape study, and I'm sure you're wearing a t-shirt of somebody who's not necessarily always been friendly to give uh, footage away. I just figured I was like, at least if it's my footage, nobody owns it. So yeah. I don't give a shit if people make fun of me. That's fine. I own that yeah. footage. That's more important. So I needed some kind of yeah. common denominator. Um, but we have another segment that you would probably do very well at. But <clears throat> it is um, a segment where we hand people cards. And let's say you and I are in a room together and we're about to train. And you pull a submission from this deck and you have two minutes to get that submission on me. So yeah. that sounds like something you would do very well at. <clears throat> However, because my defense can be decent at times, uh, it affords me the ability to roast you the entire time. So uh, it, it's a good segment for that reason. And we've done it with Cody Steele. We've done it with William Tackett. We've done it with John Combs. And the hard part about that is 
I came up with that segment before the pandemic. Didn't see people for a bit. Uh, like I was covering sports, so we just didn't run to the same rooms. And now I'm like, dude, we do so many virtual interviews. I don't get to do that segment as much. And uh, we'll bring yeah, that dude, one if back. I, if I'm ever in LA, we, uh, we'll do that one for sure. That'll be fun. <laughs> I, I, I think it will be 100% worth it because I think you're capable of still roasting me back while doing <laughs> terrible things to me. Uh, full disclosure, Cody Steele, when he did his, I had asked him if he was going to slap me. And he was like, no. And he saw that William Tackett didn't get his move on me first and just gave up and started like to like my <laughs> face. And I recognized, I was like, shit, he's doing me a solid by doing the segment because I went into kill switch mode and had like X guard and was going to go straight into a heel hook. And I was like, I can't do fuck it. There's no <laughs> offense. The bit's not funny if I'm doing offense. So then I was like, it's not like I was for sure going to get this, but I like that my body just like started like going, nope, nope, nope. Keep yourself safe. So, uh, yeah. What was, but, I mean, what was the submission he had to get on you? So William Tackett had to get an arm bar. <clears throat> and I think Cody, Ed, did he pull? He, I thought maybe he pulled the arm bar. Uh, William Tackett might have actually been triangle. Cody might have been arm bar. Something to that effect. And then I yeah. think Cody was like, yeah, I see how you roll. It's just two minutes. It's not going to happen. And uh, he doesn't get the submission on me. And the way that we build the segment is, is I always, if I, if I make it the two minutes, I celebrate like I just won worlds at IBJJF. So like, <laughs> you know, like he kind of coming off and like doing a soccer run around. And the reason why it works as a segment, in my opinion, is because at the very end of it and running around, I just go to Cody and I was like, hey, I see why you win all the time in overtime. All right, bye everybody. And then he's just like, fuck you. <laughs> so it's just, <laughs> uh, it's a very fun and silly segment. But uh, yeah, we, we'd 100% have you do that. I should ask this because you segued this nicely. Oh, World oh my World God. World look World at World our World other World guest. World. It's Ryan Aiken. Oh, you're on the verbal tap podcast. <laughs> yes. Look at that. Oh. What is in your hand? Is that Dunkin? Oh, Are you powered boy. by Dunkin' Donuts right now, Ryan? Are you powered by Dunkin' Donuts, Ryan? Huh? Are you powered by Dunkin' Donuts? I'm powered by Dunkin' Donuts, and I did I did go to a Brazilian bakery. So. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's good to see you, sir. He said it's good to see you. <laughs> yeah, you too. You too. He couldn't hear you because I know. I figured that at yeah. some point. I just I just realized I had to be a silent film star and be like, ah, yeah. Play up the facial expressions. Uh, give him my best. He was just on the show, so it was good yeah. to hear and see from him. You segued this nicely, and I want to be able to ask your opinion on it because you did mention you've been instructing a lot to the point where you even offered to instruct during the week of the competition. And I thought the nerve, the gall, the balls on this young man to say, I will teach you how to beat me, you motherfuckers, to make this a more entertaining TV product. Where did that come from? <laughs> and, and how was the reaction like in the room when you offered to do that? Um, honestly, most of the competitors didn't come. I thought it was pretty strange. Like most of like the, when I was telling you, there was like two halves of the board, like the, the, the lower half of the board, they showed up. But the people who actually had better shots at beating me or stalling me out, like, didn't show up. 
<laughs> and I was like, I'm literally teaching you how to beat me. And they wouldn't show up to the class. But I taught, I, I taught three days that week. When did you come up with that idea? Because that to me, it was on the spot. It was, it was on after the, the first night. It was after the first night when they, uh, when Kevin and Kamoy stole me out. And I was just like, y'all come to noon class tomorrow. I'll teach it for free. And I'll show you guys how to deal with my guard. It made me laugh so hard because I thought, you know, that that's modern solutions, I guess. That's that's what we were kind of up with here where I go, I, I would have never thought of something like that. But the fact that you were doing it, it was, made it me was laugh a good so play, hard. honestly. I thought it was hysterical. They uh <laughs> B Mac got a kick out of it. It's so good. It's so funny. Uh all right. We have two more days to kind of go through, so if you would give me your synopsis of kind of coming back into form and then very quickly reemerging yourself as the top person on the board. Um, it definitely felt good. You know, it's, uh, I think that I knew in the back of my head that it was going to, the, that it was going to level out and I was going to end up back at the top, but I also knew Travis had a good, like had a good shot at maybe beating me in the season. Um, I didn't think anybody was going to beat me in the finale. Um, but Travis put up a lot of points. Travis is a is a big 185er. He cut a good bit of weight, and uh, he's been training a lot. And uh, he's got a good style. Like he he goes out there and finishes people. And uh, I got to credit him for that for sure. But once um, <clears throat> once I got back up on the board, you know, I was like, okay, we're cool. We're we're chill here. I was very happy to see you kind of emerge and uh, do your thing. But what was also interesting to me was the fact that other people were sort of vying for that number two spot at that point. Like you were basically looking to see who you were going up against. Let's get to the finale and what that vibe felt like at the actual end of the competition. Because, dude, it's four days plus a day off, plus the combine, plus the draft. It's a whole week. So you're probably at this point being like, Maybe a little bit tired of it, but at the same point, you got to put on for one more day. So, what's the vibe and and the atmosphere like going into the final day? Uh, the final day. So, um, the final day was Thursday, and that was a pretty relaxed day for me. I had Fedor, and then two people that I was definitely going to score on. Um, didn't get a didn't get to score on Fedor, but um, I knew if I scored on the other two people that I was going to end up on top. And I didn't even like, I would have had to have choked both people to get on top, but Travis fucked up and wasn't able to score on somebody. And so I didn't have to get the six points on the last guy. So I just leg locked him really quick. I think I leg locked him in five seconds. <laughs> That's what's up. So when the season finale is here and you kind of take a look at the board for that finale in itself, though, was there any kind of surprising element for the top eight in your opinion? Uh, no, not really. Honestly, I expected to see Kevin up there, but you know, unfortunately, he got he got broke off day uh, day one. So uh, he didn't. He definitely didn't sub a bunch of people he should have. And um, but other than that, I think it was you know Matt Elkins had to drop out. He had some things going on, um, and so that brought Sam into it, who was on my team, who I faced first because he ended up being the the number eight seed. But uh, other than that, I think that was how everybody thought it was going to play out. And what were the matches like in that eight man tournament for you? Like 
you know, you had a pretty good trajectory to the final as well. So it was a pretty good day for you on the finale day, like the actual like. No, I um. Uh, so the the last day of the season was Thursday, Wednesday night. We're at Longhorn Steakhouse, I think, or or I don't know. I think I think it was Longhorn Steakhouse. I don't know, or Logan's or something like that. Indicator. I got drunk with Jeff Glover on Wednesday night, drinking tequila, and then they completed day four, um, came out on top. And then, so we had that rest day on Friday. So Thursday night, everybody from like everybody who worked it to most of the, well, not most of the competitors, but a few of the competitors, um, we went out on Thursday night and I got absolutely fucking hammered. (laughs) Like I just won the season, won another thousand dollars. Um, I got shit faced. I probably drank over ten shots of tequila and five, six, seven, eight seltzers. Um, may have partook in uh, recreational drugs. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I got <laughs> I got fucking shit hammered on on Thursday night. Then rested all day on Friday and uh, came in on Saturday, just feeling good. You know, like I had Sam first round, and Sam's pretty good. You know, but I uh, I knew. I knew I was going to take Sam out pretty quick. I was going to hit him with something. And then I knew uh, with Sam, but um, I, I knew Nick, I knew Nick was going to be a tough match. You know, Nick Creighton's really good. He, uh, he's got wins over like Hasim Rita and hell, he subbed Fedor in the first round, which is somebody I couldn't sub at, uh, during the season. So I knew that was going to be a tough match, but um, thankfully I had Sean in my ear. Um, I kept getting, I started actually like threatening to pass and he was getting tired and I could see him starting to fold and he kind of like shook me off of him at one point and I kind of fell to my ass and I sat there for just a split second and Sean was yelling at me. He's like, get back up and do it again. And it just kind of gave him the motivation. I was like, okay, got back up, started doing it again and got a little bit of a reaction of some extension out of him when I was trying to crunch him up and uh, was able to sit back on that leg and get the outside hill of which I was pretty, I was pretty sure I was gonna do well in overtime against him, but it was good to get him out of there um, without having to do the overtime and waste that, waste more energy leading into the finals. And then, you know, the finals is uh, Kamoy, uh, pretty much just a uh, uh, just a replay of what happened in the season with us. Uh, he didn't really want to engage much. He definitely wanted to stall me out till overtime because he thought that's what his best route was to beat me, but obviously um, it wasn't, you know, I've been putting in a little bit of work trying to get that better. And even though like um, my overtime isn't the greatest, like I'm in a room with people who have great overtime. And even if I'm getting dogged by them in the room, like it's better than most people's OT out there. So I should ask this because to me, it's an interesting trajectory to go from competing against Kamoy to then competing at main character jiu-jitsu, especially yeah. when you have feelings about his particular way of grappling with you in those matches. So how do those conversations go? Because I could only imagine having to be like, hey, yeah, good job, whatever. And then you kind of go your separate ways. Here it's a, hey, it's good job. What are you doing in like three weeks, dude? You you free? Yeah, I don't like you right now, but like, are you free in three weeks? Like, what's it wasn't up, even three weeks. It was the next weekend, right? Uh, it was the next weekend, and I can't even tell you. You thought I got fucked up on fucking Thursday night, 
I can't tell you how fucked up I got on Saturday night. I drove back to me and Sam Schwartz fucking uh, drove back to Chattanooga, and I got plastered all night with my friends, and took me all fucking all week to recover, honestly. And then I think it was like Wednesday night or Thursday night. I think it was Wednesday night. Kamoy hits me up. He's like, "Hey, you want to come? You want to come replace somebody in this?" And I was like, "Fuck it, why not, dude?" And uh, so I did. That's what's up. That's yeah, really I cool. I my with my dog and my two roommates and drove to Austin, Texas and went and competed. And, point, and by the way, first, and by the way, I should say, first off, Kamoy's the man. Uh, I love Kamoy. Um, glad he hit me up. Me and him are really good friends, honestly, whether it seems like it or not on camera. Uh, me and Kamoy are super tight. Um, he's a real good buddy of mine. Um, yeah, and awesome promotion, too. Had a blast at main character. Well, I mean, Kamoy amongst modern folks who are starting to put on shows, he seems to be implementing a very TV friendly sort of, uh, sure, yeah, he's got a lot of influence with, uh, with BMAC too. You know, BMAC, uh, has definitely rubbed off on him and like how he's like promoting these shows, you know, Kamoy's done two seasons of the PGF now, you know, uh, he's got quite the experience in that. Cause I see the way he's running his Instagram for like, Talking about, I mean, athletes. what better, what better thing to do? I think the most anticipated thing that happened in that whole tournament was me and Davis. You know, like everybody <laughs> wanted to see that match again. Like, I had talked so much shit, and they just like there was a lot of hype behind that one, and uh, I don't think he could have made a better play, honestly. Yeah, but I am wishing them well because uh, with main character jujitsu, it is very interesting to see how they're implementing people. I think they're off to a very solid start in terms of giving a lot of attention to the, the people. And what I find is nice is, you know, when you really hit off well, you get somebody like a JB Beckloff who has one of the best promos I've seen. And I go, yeah, I want more of that. Like I want organizations that require you to have to do shit that make you sell the event and, yeah. and show off your personality and what makes you different. You know, it sucks that I that I lost because you'll probably never see any of the promos they made for me. But no. <laughs> uh, my promo was my promo was great. Like they they I think I think it was pretty. I made it pretty short and sweet. Like they like they were like uh, they just opened up. They're like so like knowing who your first, first opponent is and all the hype going behind this rematch. Like uh, what do you what do you think about him? And I was like, man, I don't give a fuck about him. Um, I'm here to be the main character, and uh, that was about it. I think. It was pretty. It was pretty legit. I was like, okay, yeah, that was it. And I just, I just thought of that on, on the, like, on the fly, right there. I was like, I gotta implement some about being the main character here and everybody here being scared about me. And I did, right, just right off the bat. It was funny, but uh, then I lost. So, <laughs> womp womp. Yep, that happens, dude. Yep. I just love the fact that you know it, it's such a great trajectory from like one week to a next because you know one week you're winning PGF. The next week, I'm looking over and I'm like, is he okay? And then I'm thinking <laughs> to myself, I go, it's truly the life of a competitor that you lived. Now I know you really lived it because you were partying in between. And I have to say, I didn't compliment this enough. The way that you spaced out your partying shows a lot of responsibility. Because I like that you mentioned this. You're like, oh, I got super drunk going in from one day to another. I was like, but there was a rest day in between. So it is smart to get that inebriated on that Thursday when you got a rest day before the big show. Oh, back back when I was back when I was a blue belt and a purple belt man when I was competing, 
I would go so hard literally the night before. Like I wouldn't sleep. I would do drugs and stay up and then go compete and just like dog people, just like absolutely fucking dog people quick. And I got to a point where I, I started moving up in competition and I was like, okay, this isn't, <laughs> this isn't sustainable. Like I can still go out and like have some drinks and like let loose a little bit. Especially if I'm not cutting weight, you know, and most of the time I'm not ever cutting anyway. Like I don't, I prefer not to cut weight. Um, I just don't want to do it. Um, but yeah, I have matured in that aspect of like consolidating my partying to uh, appropriate times. And I also have to tell you, there's nothing more adorable perhaps ever said on this show than somebody saying, well, I was with Jeff Glover and drugs may have happened it's like we all assume that <laughs> you literally said jeff glover if drugs didn't happen it would have been a miracle so it is uh it is it heavily implied Shout out to jeff glover, man he is uh he's the man it was so i had no clue that he was like like i told you i didn't really know who the epic role guys were and then i found out who they were and they said like on the first night they're like oh yeah jeff glover will be here tomorrow he's gonna hang out with us all week and i was like dude no fucking way i was like <laughs> me and jeff are like have already been pretty tight on the internet. We have like a, we have like kind of like a longer relationship that was started kind of iffy. Like I was like watching his DVDs when I was young and I ended up having a match with his buddy, Bill Cooper long to like probably five or six years ago. And I scrubbed Bill Cooper in like 26 seconds with a triangle and, uh, talked shit about it online. And Jeff got in on it and, like some of just friends got in on it and we were like talking shit back and forth to each other for a minute. It got pretty serious. Like it got pretty heated, but then we just kind of like apologized to each other. And he's like been a big fan of Masha ever since. And it's just, honestly, he was an idol growing up and it's funny how our relationship has worked out, but now me and Jeff are really tight. And when he came that week, like we were super tight all week. Those things have a way of working themselves out. Uh, Jeff was a guest on verbal tap years ago and I never assume people will remember, especially if they don't see your face. You know, at the time we were just yeah. doing audio calls and, uh, you know, he kind of remembered us and we, you know, cause we're both in California. We run into each other here and there. And, uh, we ended up, com uh, commentating one of the subversives together. And right. I got this look like he didn't know how it was going to go. I didn't know how it was going to go because it's one thing for me to interview him. It's another to be like. And we both need each other on this. And then yeah. Pete the Greek was there. So you never know how that's going to play. And obviously yeah. they did drugs beforehand. So I'm wondering <laughs> like, what am I dealing with as the adult? And uh, Jeff and I had a blast. He said some very nice things to me off air um, that I, I very much appreciated. But it was so cool to get that experience that I, I never really had in my bingo card. I just was like, I don't know. I'm very open to things, but uh, yeah. that mix of things worked very well. And I very much enjoyed doing that. So he's always like, yeah, we got to do that again. at some time. I'm like, I am the easiest person in the world to find man. So Jeff, Jeff is a man. It's very funny to see uh, those things happen, but uh, very, Honestly, very cool. I don't, think he, I, don't, I don't think two greater people could hook up to be like, friends in the jiu-jitsu community than me and Jeff Glover. Like, um, like, I'm like a spitting image of Jeff. I'm Jeff Glover. I used to, dude, people were calling me Jeff Glover 2.0 fucking years ago. <laughs> I think that I can see some of the similarities. So I, I totally get where that comes from. 
And then to be able to hang out with him and, and party, I'm sure, must have been a blast. So let's say this. Oh, sir. Yeah. Obviously, we can't talk about what happens in season six. There's a good presumption you'll be on it. So I won't ask any more qualifiers about that. But I would like to ask, where, in your opinion, did you rank this experience? Like, how do you encapsulate, like, what would you say the entire experience, that whole week felt like? And what would you like to see more of for season six, from your opinion? You know, um, it's been real fun being the face of it. And, you know, I'm going to play, I'm going to play a, a fun role next season for sure. But I'm not going to be the face of it next season, sadly. You know, um, they're putting some money into it, and uh, they're going to be bringing in some really good people. You know, and I might even be considered like one of the dunkables next season. I might be considered on that on that other half of the board next season, starting out. Like I'm going to surprise a lot of these people. They're going to obviously. I think they're doing a heavyweight season. I can't tell you that. So I'm going to put on a little bit of weight. I'll run whatever kind of fucking steroids I need to. Honestly, I need to get. I'm like 185 right now. If I could go in at 205, I feel like I'd do really well. Um, but I'm going to surprise some people. I'm not going to be the face of it. Um, I'm going to be doing my my normal shenanigans, talking shit to people who probably don't even know who I am. Um, but I'm going to be putting points on the board, and I don't think I don't think a lot of these guys are going to be able to put the points on the board that I'm going to. So, can you beat me? Maybe. Can you beat me at the rule set? and put more points on than me. I don't know. We'll see. I like that, man. That's how much, uh, they've got planned in store that the Hoyt Gracie, the franchise is now looking at us and telling us like, yo, I might be the dunkable, but you've seen what's hey, happened possible. in that rule set before. I haven't confirmed any of this. I'm just assuming, you know, like there's a lot of money getting dumped into this right now. And I, I pretty much expect to be a dunkable next year. Maybe I'm not. Maybe they bring in a couple really good guys, and it's still like a lot of other dunkables, and I'm still considered one of the top players. Or maybe they bring in a lot of good people, and I'm a dunkable. So, I guess you'll have to tune in to find out this March yeah, for season six. I think that's if a good way to plug that. If you can't stand me, like come watch me get dunked on, or come hope that I get dunked on. <laughs> I enjoy that. I, I feel like you're uh, a walking advertisement, sir. So we appreciate <laughs> you for doing that. Hey, before we start to close it up here, I always like to give an opportunity to our guests to go ahead and shout out anybody that they want to that helped them either win or get ready for those competitions. So I'd like to give that to you. You can also shout out some sponsors, maybe even the the shirt that you're wearing because that uh, is, that uh, that is quite a beautiful shirt there, sir. So I'm going to put the camera first right thing, First and foremost, uh, fuck, fuck flow grappling that's number one um, number two uh, thanks to my sponsors uh, the daily triangle uh, epic roll they've been hooking me up with some awesome gear I'm actually waiting on a gi in the mail I'm going to put the gi back on start training a little bit maybe doing a little teaching um, shout out to my team to playing Atlanta uh, shout out to all the fans you know let's uh Let's keep this jabroni train rolling. I love it. Well, sir, my thanks to you for making some time. I appreciate you. Congratulations on the highest of order. You definitely made the season worth watching and, and very memorable. And uh, if big things happen, you will be a huge part of the elevation of that. So I hope you know that. And I hope that you take solace in, in knowing that you have done some great shit for that organization. And we'll probably continue to do great shit for it. 
Absolutely, man. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. Uh, love your show, dude. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, you're, you're doing some cool shit. Thank you, sir. I will say bye to you off air in just a second. I'm going to close this bitch up and I'll see you in just a second. All right. Cool. All right, you guys. Thank you so much. And before we get you guys on out of here, a couple quick reminders. First and foremost, go ahead and like, follow, subscribe, all that good stuff. If you don't know what you want to comment on, why don't you do this in the comment section? Hmm. I was going to tell you to say which drug you thought that they did, but I think that might actually go against some YouTube standards, so I probably can't do that one. Let's just say, what are your expectations for season six? What's the big surprise you think for season six of PGF? That's a good one. In the comment section, you can also go become a member on the High Grappling page. So that's high.page backslash grappling hour. Five bucks a month, 30 days before anybody else. All of these interviews, at least for a month, usually more. And for a few extra dollars, you can see tape studies with athletes. You can see people roasting my competition footage. And you can even see extra bonus episodes that aren't available anywhere else. So you can do that and join our Discord to continue the conversations that we have on this show. That's going to do it for us, folks. It has been a great day for grappling. We'll see you back on the mats. Perfect.